to Down to Earth Metaphysical Musings. I'm Vasumi and uh, here we are with another podcast. And today I'm really excited to be having a chat with a dear old friend, Vex Tyra, who's, um, who's, who I lived with in Bali for nine years at a wonderful uh, community where we shared a lot and um and bex was one of the mainstay yoga teachers at the yoga barn in ubud and she's one of one of um one of a few people that is just so inspiring for her work in the world um she has a website called freedom through movement and one of the things that have inspired me the most about Bex is her strong sense of social justice and activism and bringing yoga into activism and many, many other things as well. But uh, we're going to jump in there and uh, talk with Bex and see what she's up to. And so there's Bex and welcome Bex. Thank you for joining me on Down to Earth Metaphysical Musings. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this Vashumi. Yay, my pleasure. It's always a, we always have a wonderful time together. So it's always great to connect and just see where we're at. And, um, and I just noticed, I went onto your website and um, I saw that you've got all these offerings and you're going online with your work. Yep, exactly. Well, that's, that's a new thing, courtesy of 2020. Um, and you know me, like I didn't even have a smartphone until this year. So it's, <laughs> it's been a whole new re-education and getting past a lot of judgment that I had about um, putting everything online and, and sort of, I really prefer like live person kind of interaction. Yeah. I want yeah, to get people away from technology and yet there's been so many gifts and benefits from it. So it's really helped me shift a lot of my own prejudice. Yeah, it's always good to to um, to let that all melt down as we evolve along, isn't it? I mean, it's I mean the ultimate, you know, is many years ago and everybody's in person and we're all on the earth together and that's, you know, um, not having technology at all all those years ago. But um, yeah, here we are in the world of 2020 and this is what it is and uh, making the most of it. And look, you're in, where are you in Uluwatu? Yep. In the water yeah. in Bali, uh huh, uh huh, and I'm in I'm in Maraho in New Zealand, and we get to communicate. Hallelujah! I know. I know. That's really special. Absolutely, it's so amazing. And that's the same thing I think with my online courses is that I'm able to reach women who would firstly never come to Bali, and secondly, who could never afford to do a training like in person. Um, so I'm I'm like one of my last courses. I had women from Haiti, Dominican Republic, Cambodia obviously Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, East Timor, um, Palestine, Iran, you know? So I was able to reach so many more women and with that create like an online community where women could meet each other who would never meet. Like I often use the example of like our grandmothers, like to imagine our grandmothers having the opportunity. Firstly, they probably couldn't speak the same language, but secondly, like how wild it would be to meet these women from these different countries and completely different cultures and religions and so on. So it does feel super special that we get to do this. Yeah, how wild is that, hey, as we look into the future and how, how you know, the planet's really becoming a whole planet connected through the internet. 
-hmm. it's really profound um yeah and who knows what that's going to lead to but yeah. yeah what an amazing opportunity how was that was that it was really special like i felt for the live calls like a lot of me was actually stepping back um and using prompts as opposed to really sort of giving a lecture because they have all the lectures anyway i record like a ton of pre-recorded material um, and instead, like, let women share their experiences, which are radically different. Like, growing up in, say, Iran or Haiti is radically different from growing up in Europe or Australia, you know? Okay. So, like having, like, having an opportunity to hear those women, it felt like such an honor um, and privilege. And so to the point that I started, like, looking for women who I know perhaps wouldn't naturally come across my courses, and then asking them whether they would, you know, would they be willing to join my course? Is that something they would like to do? And, and how could I facilitate that? Like, if they don't have connectivity or data, how could I then send them money to get the data so they could join the courses and so on? Wow. So, so that, well, amazing, though, because like, we have an opportunity to, to connect with women who are living radically different lives and have an ocean of wisdom by virtue of growing up in conflict or growing up in a really strong um, situation. You know, I think it's, it's really like a gift to be able to have those women. What are some of the insights that you gained from, from speaking with those women? It must have been. Oh my goodness. There's so much and there's so many like different experiences. Well, you know, firstly, just in response to what you said, I think it helps put things in perspective. Yeah. And I know like right now in 2020, like the conditions around the world are quite different. Like I've got friends in Melbourne who have been in like lockdown for so, for so long. Yeah. I've got women who joined my first course in April who, be, who joined every single course because they can repeat them. Mm. And, and, you know, they've hardly been able to leave the house. Mm. And so, you know, even though that they have a lot of financial security and, and other kinds of security, they're still really going through it, you know? And yeah. so, it does help put things in perspective, but at the same time, recognizing that everyone's experiences are also valid. Um, but what happened as I started um, with the first couple of courses was I really wanted to create more of a platform for these women to share. Mm. It felt like I actively wanted to not just have them sharing on the live calls, but actually I would, I would really like to you know, support them um, financially and, and bring them on. So I created another course called um, Embodied Elements, where I had, it was, it was combining um, yoga, dance, uh, ecology, like environmental um, issues. And then I picked five women from five different countries. So we had Haiti, we had Borneo, we had Mongolia. Um, oh, now I can't even think where the other countries were. Um, ah, my mind's gone. Pakistan, I think I no, said. Palestine. Palestine yeah, and Palestine and um, the Amazon. Oh, and the and Amazon. So, we, so we invited, I invited these women to come on and to, they were caretakers of the elements and to speak about their role in environmental activism in these countries and then have an opportunity for the other women, you know, to join the course, to listen, to be inspired, like not just, oh my goodness, it's so depressing, but like, wow, look at what these women are doing um, and, how, and how we can support them financially but also through changes in our lifestyle right because it's easy to give money um, yeah. but the other step is really how do we like embody like practical day-to-day -day changes so that was one thing that came came from that course and I think some of the other um, like things that have shined a light on is again just these different layers of repression 
um, a woman. And for sure, we do have that in our mainstream globalized Western society because, you know, we have the media and we have morality and we have um, the medical system that still, you know, really sort of uh, takes a lot of our power away that we have to really work to shift Mm. how we're portrayed. And I guess that's Um, the difference is that we actually can work to shift it. Um, Whereas maybe in some countries, it's a lot more that they don't even have the opportunity to work to shift it. Absolutely. That's a life and death thing. Exact. And how we have, you know, creating this online platform that women are able to share perhaps for the first time Mm. about menstruation or about menopause or about, um, sexual mm. sexual experiences or physical intimacy mm. and this is like their first time ever doing that wow. um, whereas like for us I think we're kind of really used to doing that you know yes. um, and then also just we had one incredible woman from Haiti who um, she she joined she was recommended or nominated by a friend of mine and she ended up joining like two of my courses and being a guest speaker on, on my embodied elements course and she, uh, she was just explaining how that day, like she'd taken her kids to school and she had to drive through all these blockades of fire to get her kids to school. And in that moment, she, she decided that she was going to find a way to get her kids to their father who lived in the US. And so then a month down the line, like she's on a live call from the States after just taking her kids there to leave them there because that's safer for them because she, you know, she was worried about them being kidnapped and just about day, daily security. And, or sometimes on the call, she's like, yeah, there's armed men on my property right now. So I have to go and get the police. Mm-hmm. And, and just that, like, wow, this is like a daily reality for this woman who's defending the land. You know, mm-hmm. like she's being intimidated. Her kids have been intimidated because she's there to try and take care of, of the land and make sure people stop coming down the trees. And she's not leaving, you know. And which country um, was she in? In Haiti. In Haiti. Yeah. Yeah. So wild, so intense. And she was able to get out of there and go to the States. Well, no, she left her children there because she didn't want to leave her land. Her land, um, I mean, she tells the story much better than me. So she left her children and now she's separated from her children. Right. And she made that decision for their well-being. But she, her her grandfather um, set up a nature reserve and her and her mother are now caretakers of that and they they're really like you know literally laying down their life to protect this land wow such heroic incredible stories hey it makes gives you so much appreciation exactly the bravery and the courage of people yeah face with intensity and I think like one of the other things I'm doing is I'm speaking a lot about like um, menstrual cycles and, and getting a menstrual policy in place. So, you know, so ideally we don't work during our bleed time and we can yeah. have that time to rest. And yet you have women from say Iran or from Palestine where, you know, you just wouldn't talk about your period in the workplace. Like it's something mm. that isn't discussed. Mm. Whereas for women in Europe or for the States, like that's something that is discussed and that they're actively working to try and like change uh, responses to yeah and only and only just discussed probably though in the last 20 years or so because i'm sure before that it wasn't you know like it's evolved hasn't it so you see in the west those things are evolving faster in the colonized world and then in in those that have been colonized not so long ago then it's not discussed. And then there's also those places that haven't been colonized at all, but are struggling to survive, like in the Amazon. 
yeah you know, things, those old practices would be practiced mm-hmm. anyway still yeah totally yeah. well yes but also like here like Papua New Guinea for example like it's just on our doorstep to Bali Mm. Um, and there's, you know, a, a real struggle. Women there are doing incredible work to try and stop violence against women. Right. Um, and so that's that's like a huge, huge campaign right now uh, because wow. women are being, you know, regularly lose, losing their life through through violence, um, even in, in by their spouses or by their husbands. You know. So I actually had um, a yoga group from Papua New Guinea reach out to me and ask whether they could join one of my courses, like the stress and anxiety course, like their entire group could do that, which was you know, all women. That's and so, they, so wonderful, Bex. Yeah, yeah. And I, how, do, how do you think they, they get to know that you exist? Um, perhaps, yeah. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure. Like, as you mentioned, I've been teaching at the Yoga Barn for like a decade. So mm-hmm. I've definitely met a lot of people have come through here, some of whom have been working in aid or development. Um, and so they have, you know, we stayed in touch. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's my main way. It's through right. people who've met me. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, I don't have, you know, I didn't have a smartphone until this year. I find it incredibly tiresome to do Instagram posts or Facebook posts. I'm just, I know, I know it's the way forwards. And yet I like, I can't help but just think, wow, I want people to stop being so addicted to this. You know, I go out for dinner with people and everyone's on their phones. I was like, please just be present with me. Yeah. Or can we, just have, can we just be present with now rather than having to record it and post it? And yet isn't that so inspiring that, you know, you're reaching far and wide into places that really, really need you and you're not doing any of that Instagram. So what is all of that? You know, like that. No, well, I do, you know, I do, I I am putting stuff out, just not, you know, not incessantly. And also I do, um, I put a call out for, like I, I offer scholarships, right, for women who are living in, in conflict areas or single moms or even just women who've had a really tough time this year and yeah. who need some extra support. Yeah. Um, and so I offer, you know, I ask for women to nominate someone else. And like in the last course, for example, I think we had six, uh, six women were nominated mm-hmm. and I decided to give six scholarships because they were all, it all felt like, wow, I'd love to have these women as part of this course. That would feel awesome. really important. Oh, um, thank you, Bex. So inspiring. So mm, incredibly inspiring. Well, I think it's the least we can do in the yoga world to make it more yeah. inclusive because I think yoga lately has become very exclusive. That's um, right. And, and very, um, uh, what was the commodified? And yeah, and I've always admired your stance on that. You know, it can become very glamorous and looking at what's underneath all of that what's underneath all of the glamour in bali and what's happening with the local people and just those conversations that that are important to have and important to air around just the glamour really i guess yeah absolutely you know it's kind of like one of the challenges of the times we're living in that there seems so much preoccupation about how something looks as opposed to what's really going on on the inside Mm. and i think i think yoga has become very visual right well in fact as a species we're very visual we really we really like overvalue perhaps like the look of something as opposed to you know our other senses or or feelings so i can see now yoga's really become um yeah, very prized on on the image on the postures right. um, on the fashion of it and it's which is a huge industry and and as we know but 
what happens when we dig a little bit underneath there? And this is really what sort of motivated some of my courses when I started looking at body image in particular, as opposed to just uh, doing the poses or learning the cues. Um, also, I focus a lot on self-leadership. So rather than becoming a yoga teacher, what, yeah. is it, what does it mean to really lead ourselves? People can have a really remarkable um, shift in their life by taking a month out for themselves and doing something completely different. I think that can really be incredibly transformative and, and a big intervention because I think for me yoga is an intervention it's an intervention in a perhaps unhealthy or um, limited way of living into one that can help us to dig a little bit deeper yes um, but not, not for myself I, when I needed to when I'd come out of my practice come out of a yoga practice and not practice for a long time it was a really great thing to go and do a yoga teacher training simply because a friend was running it and it happened to yeah. be a teacher training but it was more my immersion back into um, the discipline that yeah. you know that was yeah. great brilliant absolutely exactly I mean I do feel if we love it enough then we'll practice every day and just by virtue of doing that, we'll get to know it. Like we'll get to know it from the inside out. Um, and then eventually someone will ask us what we're doing and will we teach them? And then by teaching, we learn to teach. I mean, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly refining how I'm teaching and what I'm teaching. Yeah, exactly. um, and sometimes I feel like it's, it's almost dangerous if we, if we show up to a teacher training to learn like a, a script or to learn someone else's idea of what yoga is because for me it's deeply personal yeah. um, and it's a really intimate relationship and and to have someone sort of put their sort of overlay on on that or prescription on that means that we end up repeating kind of spiritual jargon or rhetoric that doesn't actually make sense exactly yeah. and it becomes a whole lot of yoga clone teachers Mm -hmm. I mean, I know the same with, with my teaching, you know, I'm at a point right now where I'm in a particular cycle, I'm right at the end of a cycle and everything about what I teach and how I teach is kind of dropping away and I have to be prepared for that death, you know, like I'm sort of allowing it all to die because um, it's going to, I don't know, something else is it's going to come in a different way, but I have to have faith that just to let go of everything in order so that something can be reborn and i don't yeah. know what that is and so yeah. you know so it's wonderful for me right now doing podcasts and just interviewing other people and one part of that is getting inspired you know like you're totally inspiring me in the moment about reaching out to to places on the planet that that wouldn't have access to the things that i offer that you offer and that's that's very exciting very inspiring yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing that's really come up for me. It's that, you know, rather than complaining about the yoga world, how can I shift my teachings to offer like what I feel is important? Mm. Um, and so that meant that I've come up with, I think, quite unique courses. Um, yes. One of which is it's called Women, Women and Yoga. So Unwind the Feminine Women and Yoga. And that's when I'm looking at specifically how yoga can be beneficial to women's health yes. and holistic health. Yes. Because often, you know, um, contemporary yoga is focused um, on a kind of gender neutral body. Right, yeah. But, but yet a lot of women's health issues um, go sort of unnoticed or, or they're not discussed or even awareness of the menstrual cycle, which for me was key to understanding my emotional turmoil. And, yeah, and, yeah. How, and rather than trying to repress that through yoga, how actually my practice could, could help me to, to embrace that. 
and that also meant that I would have to shift like what I was teaching and how I was teaching to one that respected the curves of a woman's body or the creativity that's innate within a woman's body and stop being so goal orientated or focused on perfection or doing. Mm. Um, so thankfully I had some fantastic women come into my life. Uma Dinsmore Tuli being one, the author of Yoni Shakti, Angela Farmer, who's um, still practicing and teaching in her eighties. Yeah. And these are women who have really sort of gone beyond like the conventional narrative to, yeah. to speak to, yeah, like really question the patriarchy within our contemporary yoga world, but also in, in yoga's history. Mm, and the other thing that I really felt was missing was that can we have a yoga practice that really supports us to get through stress and, uh, and specifically stress and anxiety, because that's something that I see as like an epidemic right now, like not just 2020, but, you know, like generally building. I see so many people showing up to Bali looking for an escape yeah. and coming here exhausted after one or two, you know, and staying for a yoga teacher training, but pushing themselves so much. But what they really needed was just deep rest mm. um, and ways to reconnect with themselves as opposed to continuing in this, using yoga to continue in the same unhealthy patterns. Because we've come from such that patriarchal, the patriarchal world has been so prevalent of keep going business as usual, you know, don't stop, don't stop, prove yourself through doing rather than, you know, like, um, I feel like we've just entered into the feminine cycle last year. We entered into the feminine cycle of 13 years, which is the same as from 1967 to 79. Wow, really cool. I didn't know. So we entered into Magnetic Wizard collectively, and this year is Lunar Storm. And, and so for me, COVID has been so powerful because it's teaching us how to go into receptivity rather than into action projective masculine way. We're learning how to be receptive and internal and people are having um, time to process all of the trauma that hasn't been dealt with for years and years and years as everybody's on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, specifically that word was a very good key, that deep rest, because if people stop, they think they're depressed. Whereas in actual fact, it's deep rest. And, you know, like, so yeah, yeah. yoga in that deep rest and the yin and the whole feminine way of being is exactly what I feel like collectively as a, as a consciousness we're learning right now. So it's beautiful that you're offering this, these yogas of unwind the feminine. Is that, are, are men able to come to that as well? No, I'm, I'm not. I've, I've etched a space out just for women and, um, I feel that we just really need the space to yeah. sort of, yeah, discuss things without about being without feeling vulnerable. Or um, I think for many of us, we get quite shy and yeah. about talking about sort of menstruation yeah. or menopause, for it example. Work, yeah, exactly. But it's also it's also about unwinding. I think also the toxic side of the feminine, or that that you know can be manipulative and and yeah. also a bit sneaky. Um, yeah. So to do that do that together. I am now just putting together a workshop for men um, to get some insight into women's menstrual cycle and how they can support a woman through that. I've just put, been putting it off for so long because I just didn't want men to kind of use that to then try and teach women about the menstrual cycle or put it into another system. Um, um, and yet at the same time, I do have so many male friends who are asking me again and again and are fascinated with it. They're like, wow, I wish that we'd been taught this in school, you know? 
Um, and I think as well, there's still a lot of prejudice about women, uh, especially like in their premenstrual period and their, you know, inner autumn as we call it, where they can be like, oh, it's just your PMS or you're just yeah. premenstrual, yeah. as opposed to, well, actually, there's a lot of wisdom in that and a necessary like fire to kind of cut through that which isn't needed. Absolutely. Um, and so that I think we need to really, time, isn't it? exactly. Exactly. And that's also what women experience a lot um, postnatal and pregnancy loss and in, in uh, perimenopause and menopause. So I think it's important that we shift our attitudes towards that energy yes. and realize, recognize the value in that too, for individually, for our relationships and collectively, because that's also, it's not just, yes, absolutely women being receptive and well, not just women, but the feminine being receptive, but also having that, the you know, the, the energy or the determination to cut away um, things which are no longer serving us. You know, mm -hmm. even if it's not logical or it's not rational, but there's a deeper intuition, there's a deeper knowing that it's like, well, hang on, this isn't with integrity or this isn't the right way. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting as, a, as I stopped reading, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, and I actually really miss that, the intensity of that moment before you bleed because it is such a truth speaking, powerful, fiery truth yeah. Yeah. that comes Absolutely. through at that time that, that kind of abates after, after the blood goes. And, and it kind of feels like to me, it's that time when, you know, everything that you've kind of just allowed that maybe isn't quite in your truth, just kind of boils up to that moment when when it's the most potent and beautiful and divine and strong um, message for the month. And Absolutely. But it's so, so important for us as women to learn how to receive this because I think a lot of the the image of the feminine in our mainstream um, culture is, is one that's like kind of sweet or, you know, domesticated or quiet woman, or at least she's, she's towing the, the mainstream narrative. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, realizing it's a real place for the other faces of the feminine, those which are fierce, those which are the truth speakers. Yeah. Um, and rather than sort of thinking that there's something wrong with us in those times, yeah. instead like recognizing and respecting them and being able to work with them. Yeah. rather than being scared of them or uh, or repressing them yeah. so that's something and also that i to, feel to honor those times when there is the sweetness and there is you know there's all the different faces isn't there that happen throughout a, a cycle like right now i'm in the 13th year of a 13 year of being feminine so i'm feeling like super chilled that's mm -hmm. like there's it's probably the most chilled i've ever been in my life and and there's a beauty in that yeah, um, you know, coming from being quite a, a fire at some points in my life and now mm -hmm. and that now this moment is um yeah it's an interesting moment especially with what's going on in the world so there's a there's a continual death happening absolutely but that's also like what i feel is that we're always changing mm. and and yet i think there's this attitude or this feeling that change is bad and, and we, we're scared of change Mm. You know, so if we as women can embrace the change daily, mm. monthly, and then over the years, then it helps us, I think, to embrace the change that's going on in the world or in our lives. You know, mm. and I think for me, the menstrual cycle has just been such a wonderful gift of that because I get times of feeling like when I'm ovulation, ovulating, like full power and so sociable and so friendly. And other times I just feel like I want to hide in my cave. 
and, and both of those are, are normal and they're, they're important. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yes, the in time and the out time. Exactly. But if I'm not taking the in time, then I also won't get the out time yes. because I'll be exhausted. You know, so if I'm not resting when I'm bleeding, then by the time I reach ovulation, I'm overwhelmed. Yes. And it's taken me, and if you remember, like we lived together, as you said, you know, there were times that I did feel really overwhelmed all the time because I was never taking rest. That's and so it's just amazing how now, like I am able to really honor those times of deep rest during my bleed. And then now I'm like so sociable and friendly and like how, you know. She used to like, so Bex is a, it's a blue resonant night. And so she's, um, there's a natural um, cave-like thing that you have so that even though you were out there, you were probably, you know, just physically out there, whereas a whole part of you was actually quite internal. Um, and so interesting as a resonant night and just watching you transform. And it's su super nice to hear that, you know, the honoring of that in time. I think New Zealand's given me that as well is after, you know, nine years where Bali was such an externalization of energy constantly, you know, you go out for breakfast, lunch and dinner and, and there's people a lot. I think I've needed this last three years in New Zealand to go very in and hardly see people at all to just come into balance with all of that and it's nice to hear that you're finding that through through your through your monthly cycle that you're having your in time and then your out time and being in the ocean you're surfing a lot right now right i am and that's another like absolute gift i'm so grateful to be able to be here because i'm now like i'm living my life kind of around the tides awesome. like the tides are so important and i feel like for a lot of our um you know, again, our contemporary world, we're trying to repress cycles, like not just the, the menstrual cycle or the stages of life, but also we're trying to repress death or aging or yeah. um, turning night into day or winter into summer. You know, there's a lot of repression mm -hmm. of the cycle. So for me to be living in a way that's like dependent on the tides, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's so nice. And it's really, I feel much more, um, much more in sync, much in, in the rhythm, in the rhythm of the, of the cosmos, of the chaos. Yeah. You know, that there's a rhythm in that, that I'm literally like surfing on every day. Wow. Yeah. So you can cool. see the surfboards behind me. Yes. They're not mine. I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in Drifter in a, in a cafe in Uluwatu. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, um, being on the equator there, it can be such an external life because being in New Zealand, you know, we have the winter and we're just coming out of the winter. So I experienced the play that, that, the collective is very internal in the winter. So there's a more natural internal, same like in England, you know, when you get that deep winter, mm -hmm. um, even though people may appear to keep, there's just an energetic internalization and then there's a natural energetic coming out again. Um, yeah. And yes, I guess people living a nine to five life might be more, uh, maybe less connected to that and it's still going, going, going. Um, and that's a little foreign to me so I, have, I haven't lived like that <laughs> life, so. I know well I guess like living in the tropics we don't have those seasons in the same way See. Um, you know but I, I really do appreciate when I have spent time back in Europe like the the real cocooning 
and then yeah. the ability to really come out again i mean like the uk and winter is a really different place like yeah. from people's personalities or like our culture is so different whether it's in the middle of winter or whether it's in the middle of summer yeah, exactly. but what what does you know i still think we have a real challenge of going into the deep dark winter that's why you know we make christmas with all the flashing lights and the parties and that you know it's like it's like almost like this fear to really go in in yeah. order to then really be able to come out which yeah. is kind of again how as women we're i think we're really um encouraged just to be in that ovulation stage every month and for all of our life when actually like there's as we've been saying a great deal of value in the going in or in the, the pre-menstruum time yeah it's so interesting in new zealand because uh, we have midwinter you know june july august and so there is no big you know christmas or so it's actually is quite a deeply internal time and um, you know, now we're just coming out of it. We're just having the beginning of some warm days where we can just wear one layer instead of, you know, big fur coats, etc., etc. Yeah. So there's this emergence from that cave, and and people don't tend to see each other a lot in the winter either. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty nice in in that way. I feel really grateful for having experienced it. It's the first time in my adult life that I've really done winters, and so it's i'm really appreciative of the of those cycles yeah super nice so um i wrote a few other things down because i was i was checking everything out that i just want to mention also about because i went on your website and um it just reminded me again of what an incredible wordsmith you are and Bex has um, always been astounding us with, with just the profundity of, of her writing and her poetry. And so are you still up to that? You still? Yeah, I still, I still write. I find that's the most like, powerful way for me to make sense of my mind and the world. So yeah, yeah I still, thank you, Bashimi yeah and and i just read some of your blogs and it was just so potent and so powerful so anyone that's tuning into Bex and her website freedom through movement um check out the writing because it really does touch a chord deep inside the heart and and gets us to question and think and um activate in in really powerful ways so super grateful for for that Bex and um, and if you want to um, any women out there that want to check Bex's um, what she's offering online so freedom through movement and there's unwind the feminine and embody the elements and there was another one yoga for stress and anxiety right and yeah that's exactly really, and that's very potent I think for, I think I might join you as well you're welcome I would love to join you. Wonderful teacher, wonderful, inspiring human being. And um, Bex is a, is a blue resonant knight. So that's the inspiring the dream, inspiring the dream. And it's born in the cycle of the earth. Yeah. That's what I wanted to mention about being born in the red earth cycle and that you, it's all about cycles. The red earth is all about going into the past and watching the cycles and being witness of the, of, of how they evolve. And so I've always found you very deep and in going into looking at where things in the past, where those cycles went awry 
and then and then coming to those cycles and looking for ways to evolve them forward out of the dross of where they got stuck and so i'm really grateful and uh, for you doing that and the blue resonant night is guided by the eagle so it's also that capacity to have vision and vision that is born from the deep unconscious by looking at what's underneath the surface of the glamour that's on top and going in and looking deeply into that to see the patterns that have got stuck so that you can help to evolve them on and it's super inspiring how you do that Bex and I'm so inspired by what you're doing now in this blue galactic night year which is in the warrior cycle so I feel your warrior spirit you know like fully on the mission and and integrating the dream living the dream of what it is to bring healing to the world so thank you bex love you loads and thanks for joining us and i'm going to include all of your websites etc etc um underneath this podcast so oh thank you so much bashimi because your work helps to give such um insight into what's going on in my personal life but also in the world yeah she's really important really powerful my pleasure super nice to co-create so mm -hmm. we've uh, bex and i were talking earlier about doing some co-creation and uh, we'll see where that evolves to and and yes. how we move forward together and um just big love big hugs big hugs to all the family there in bali and mm -hmm. all of us here in from the tribe here in new zealand loving you and and um, blessed be, and thanks for coming on the Down to Earth Metaphysical Musings. Yeah, epic. Thank you so much for shooting. Yay, blessed be. Thank you. So big love to all, all the podcast listeners out there, and we'll have another episode for you soon. But enjoy, Bex, and, and um, big love. Okay, ciao.